Welcome to Funding the Dream, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to the show. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, and I appreciate you uh, being a fan of the show and listening. I've gotten tons of feedback from people on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. All of you are reaching out saying uh, how much you're enjoying my guests and the content we've been rolling out. And I have to admit that I have been thrilled at uh, the people who have been able to come on the show. And also, I appreciate the uh, sponsors and the supporters who have been out there, uh, particularly those on on Patreon who have been backing the show. And as well, we have... uh, sponsors, and I've talked to you a little bit about that, the sponsors will be coming onto the show to support the program. And one of those things is I want to give you the opportunity of being aware of live campaigns that are going on and giving people who have their campaigns an opportunity of putting in front of you, my listeners. So thank you. And our growth has been spectacular. And so uh, we're seeing a huge upsurge in listens. I guess if you put out new content, people listen. Who would have guessed that? My guest today is somebody I think you've been wanting to hear from. uh, We just had him on the show just a couple of weeks ago talking about his campaign that was about to launch. Holy cow. Isaac Childress is here with me from Cephalofair Games, and his game is Gloomhaven, and I know you've heard of it. Isaac, thanks for joining me. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, Happy to be here. Well, Sorry about the the noise that appears my... A neighbor has decided to start mowing his lawn right as we started recording. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. I'll probably have a, 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 a one of those. Fo- we have uh, plenty of those air blowers from the people who are doing their lawns here as well. So we'll do it together. And, you can, right. and by the way, you can you can hardly hear it, so it's not a problem at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> I appreciate you were just on the show. We were talking at the time the campaign hadn't launched. And for anybody on the planet who has been living under a rock, tell our listeners a little bit about Gloomhaven and uh, the Kickstarter project. Uh, yeah, so Gloomhaven is a, a board game. Um, it's a, like a very large board game, sort of fantasy campaign driven, like tactical dungeon crawler. And uh, we're doing a reprint of the game. Uh, we did a Kickstarter about a year and a half ago for the first printing, and it immediately sold out when it hit retail, or when it hit retail, and like to just a ridiculous degree. And there was a lot of demand for the game, so I decided just to get uh, a reprint going as soon as possible. And I decided the best way to do that was to go through Kickstarter to to fund it because I wanted to print a lot of copies to make sure that we met demand. And so that's what this Kickstarter is about, is just getting together uh, the reprint. You know, that's interesting because when we talked before, one of the challenges we had is that when uh, Gloomhaven came out, there was such a unprecedented interest in the game that was not anticipated based on the success of the first Kickstarter campaign. And suddenly you had a flood of interest in the game and a demand for a new product, but you were out of print and in essence, this is an expensive game to print, and so there was no way, yeah. right? There was just no way to to just take the money and go. Because I think we were talking at the time, there were twenty to twenty five thousand orders of this game before, it, and you you just didn't have those copies, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there was the yeah the best way to to fund it was just to go go back to Kickstarter because you know I, I am a small company. I yeah I just didn't have the money to to produce the number of copies that I wanted to produce. And now you put, and now here we are in case anybody's not paying attention (laughs) or listening at the time of this recording, we are seeing your project has raised 
$2.3 million with 25,000 backers, which is interesting because that's yeah. the number of backers that that was the number of orders that were coming in. And it looks like that demand. And we're and you're about halfway through. So you've still got a huge surge probably coming here at the end. Yeah, um, probably. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. You know, it's like every day I expect the 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 bottom to sort of drop out and the, the you know the growth to stop but it's just it's continued to rise so and it's, that's it's interesting been great. that's interesting because most Kickstarter campaigns traditionally I call it the uh, the Golden Gate Bridge effect you have this huge spike yeah. at one end and then this pretty almost predictable mathematically predictable curve that just drops off into the valley of death and then when you get to the end you have this <laughs> other spike at the other other end which sometimes can meet or exceed that original spike. In, yeah. you, in your case, you've got a little bit of a bump because in the last couple of days, your backers and revenue has actually gone up rather than f- bottoming out or flattening out here in the middle. What do you think's happening? Uh, I don't know. I think it's just largely due to um, the, the I mean the prominence of the whole project, right? I mean it's it's just consistently you know on the top of the hotness on BGG, Board Game Geek, and you know, I mean, everyone's talking about it, and uh, I mean, the Dice Tower just dropped a really glowing review of the game, and you know, it's just it's constantly being talked about in pretty much all uh, forms of like of board game media. So I think, yeah, that exposure exposure is just always out there, and it's always grabbing new people. I think. Yeah, you're picking up sixty to seventy thousand dollars a day for this campaign. Yeah. Right. Six hundred to seven hundred new backers a day. That's that's more backers and more money that some of the are you know my guests and and other Kickstarter projects get in their entire campaign, and yet it continues to drive that. One of the things I think that is interesting that you've been doing, and I want to talk about that. And by the way, if you haven't seen the Dice Tower review, you really should go look at it. And I'm not talking obviously to Isaac, but my listeners, I I've watched it, and here's what you do: you you turn it on. Tom's talking. He's doing. He's going to do his review. Skip to the last three minutes. Uh, just skip to the last three minutes because then he's, he then he just he basically takes off and he leaves the hat on, but he takes takes it off and says, "This is the best thing I've ever seen." I wake up thinking about this game. <laughs> I'm like, "Holy cow!" Okay, yeah, yeah, and just the the look on his face as he's saying it is like he's just got this grin that's just like, "Wow!" <laughs> right? <laughs> he just he absolutely loves this. <laughs> Well, one of the things that our listeners are going to be interested in, so that we got a lot of things that we can talk about in our few minutes that we have here on the show. You, this is unprecedented. You and I were just on the, uh, on the show talking about, worried about you know, how many interests there were going to be, and obviously everybody's shocked and surprised by what we've seen here. But you've done you, – you bring it up, and that is you keep expecting the bottom to fall out, but we – don't seem to be seeing any letdown on this. What do you think is driving such tremendous interest in the game? Not the popularity and the number of people that are backing the Kickstarter, but just this kind of reaction that we're seeing from hardcore gamers who have seen everything under the sun. And Isaac, suddenly you show up on the scene, your second project, second game, and you are causing people's heads to spin because they're saying that they've never quite seen anything like that. What do you think is happening here? And what do you think you've tapped into? Um... I don't know. Yeah, it's. I feel like we talked about a little bit about this last time, where it's it's just. Yeah, I think it's like tapping into like a different feeling, like a more like video game approach to to board games, where it's you know you've got a, a persistent campaign that's going 
um, you know, every time you play it, you get to sit down and like uh, unlock something new and sort of experience something new. And it's it gives you this sense of progression as you play it, like you're versus you know, if we just say- exploring this 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 world that's just exciting to explore as opposed to, yeah, like a static thing where, you know, you're playing the same game every time you sit down. Right. Some of my favorite games, like I very much enjoy cooperative games. I very much enjoy those types of, uh, engagement. And so you play it once you played pandemic and, uh, you have fun and it can get you a little tense as you get to the end and, and whether the game, the game always usually kicks your butt, but, and then you're right. Then you just kind of start over, but, then pandemic legacy came out and now you play with right. consequences and yeah. is i mean that's interesting is that you're playing with consequences right when we say that it's persistent it's not that you're playing with consequences in the game at the moment and then when it, you put it back in the box the next day everything's gone no you're playing with consequences that continue to carry over game after game after game yeah yeah and i mean you look at pandemic legacy and it's um, number one in the board game be great rankings, right? So, right, there, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people excited about this sort of legacy mechanic. Um, you know, I mean, Seafall, the latest sort of legacy game, didn't do quite as well. Um, but I think, you know, it's sort of the key of, of matching that sense of progression to a game that is just incredibly f- fun on its own, right? And I, so I think Gloomhaven sort of accomplishes both those things. You know, it's interesting that uh, Disney has been announcing a, lo- a lot and showing out a lot what's going on with their Star Wars land, as it's being referred to, that they're building in both uh, Disney World and Disneyland. And one of the oh, things yeah. they're touting is that your actions inside the park have consequences, that huh. it's a persistent experience. So if you go through one experience and act a certain way and get certain results, when you go other places, that carries with you, and the characters and the the activities and the other rides all interact with you in a slightly different way based on previous decisions you made in the park. Oh, wow. That sounds cool. So we're talking about a legacy experience going to <laughs> – right? So, yes, this legacy thing seems to be catching on, and you use the video game concept. And you, what you're specifically talking about in the video game concept is the fact that you make a decision early in the game, and that decision carries through. Not the shoot em and, and and running around type thing, although there's a little bit of uh, that concept with what you're doing. I, yeah. so, so I have a question because as we're watching your campaign unfold – Stretch goals are always a challenge for anybody, and you have taken an interesting tack with stretch goals, which I also think is driving tremendous energy and interest in your game. Tell us a little bit about your stretch goal strategy and what you've been doing with that. Right. Well, um, I guess the stretch goal strategy is just not having stretch goals, right? So, well, so recently I announced that. I, I, I was going to do like a little bit of, of stretch goal, but to sort of explain that, I sort of have to explain the the general strategy I'm I'm taking with the project, which is um, I'm creating a a series of scenarios while the campaign is running. So every three days, I sort of re- release a new scenario that people can play. Um, either if they have the game or um, it's also available on Tabletop Simulator, which is you know a, a, a computer program for playing board games. Uh, and I also have a bunch of people doing live streams of the scenarios that drop as well. So there's 
plenty of ways where you can sort of experience these scenarios as they're being uh, introduced. And the idea is that a scenario is is released and then you can play it or watch it or whatever and then you get to there's a choice at the end and so everyone who's participating can go onto board game geek and and vote on what they want to see happen next so it's kind of like this big community driven sort of choose your own adventure story where in the, um, in the middle of your kickstarter campaign right <laughs> right now so so tell me so most of the time when I talk to people who are running Kickstarter campaigns, they say it absolutely consumes all your time, uh, everything that you're doing, all your time. I got to believe that yours – you were mentioning when we were talking about your wife's excitement about this campaign that she's just – right? She's watching Kickstarter all day long. Um, and, and yeah. So – but Isaac, how is it possible <laughs> that you are running one of the most successful and massive Kickstarter campaigns for the tabletop? You are now going to be ranked up there for one of the you know, most successful – and yet at the same time, you are creating an ongoing – you're basically running your own dungeon crawl with thousands of people live on a global setting at the same time that you're raising millions of dollars for your game. So I have to ask the question – I asked it earlier, do you sleep? And you're like, yeah, I get plenty of sleep. So <laughs> the, Isaac, this isn't, this isn't normal, okay? This isn't normal, <laughs> that what you're doing. And so you've got to tell our listeners – what is going on? Why are you able to do this? And, and are you sitting up all night writing these scenarios? Are they coming out in the middle of the – you wake up and you just have this epiphany? Have you tapped into some portal that's pouring these ideas in? Because this is obviously – everybody is, I think, in awe of what they're watching in real time as you're doing this. And so what are your insights about how you're doing this and the process that you're using to actually drive this? Um, well, yeah. So it just comes down to – to time and and how to spend that time right so uh yeah i mean and some things do suffer like so for instance like the the comment section of my kickstarter page like i'm not i'm not like great about like monitoring that well i mean there's like about like five thousand comments on there now so i mean it's hard to keep up with that um i so i chime in there occasionally but that's sort of one of the things i've maybe dropped to the wayside in order to make sure I have enough time to do everything else. But, but I, yeah, I still make sure to respond to all like direct Kickstarter messages and any emails I get. Um, but yeah, in terms of creating these scenarios, it, you know, it's just one every three days, which uh, my original plan was actually to do one every day. And I'm glad uh, people sort of talked me down from that. Cause I, I think I would have died by now, but, uh, one every three days. So, so every three days it becomes sort of a, a uh, you know, stretch to, to get everything done. Uh, what The hardest part is that I put up the vote for, there's sort of events in between the scenarios, like these little road events that I write, and I put up the vote for that the day before. And so really I put up the vote and then I wait like a few hours to see where the vote is headed. And then I really only have like maybe like a six hour window really to, to like fully create this scenario, which has been trying, uh, especially for my wife. Cause this happens like in the evening and she comes home and like, I just can't pay attention to her at all. Um, but really, yeah, it's only taking about like six hours or so every two days or every three days to, to make these scenarios. 
And that's because I have a lot of experience doing it. And also, um, I mean, I, I think they're really great scenarios, but I mean, if, if I were to spend more time on them, they probably could be maybe a little more balanced and maybe some of the, you know, more copy editing to the, the text that I write and all that. So, I mean, there is a little, you know, a little give and take that I have to do um, to, to maintain that. But overall, I think the, the effect is still uh well, the response, Great. yeah, the response yeah. has been the response has been amazing for that. So now, here we are. We have a couple of things to talk about. One, all news hasn't been good news, right? Some of these emails that you received oh, haven't, yeah. haven't been positive. We talked about this in the last time you were on the show, and so let's touch on that just a little bit. We only have a couple of minutes, and I wanted to ask you about that because there have been some people who have been a little unhappy, right? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, the. Well, so what happened was that uh, in addition to running this Kickstarter, we're also trying to get um, input from distributors in terms of the number of, of games that they want to order when the second printing goes out as well. So that we can you know, avoid the situation that happened with the first printing where we just didn't make enough copies for distributors. And so then... You know, the we had a huge amount of orders and not enough copies to fulfill them. So we're trying to communicate with distributors more this time around, and so we're sort of taking pre-orders from them, and then they go to their retailers and sort of ask them how many copies they want. And retailers then the best way they have to gauge uh, demand is to then take pre-orders from their customers. Like you know, there there's you know, they could just sort of guess at how many they want or they could try to get some hard data, which, you know, pre-orders from their customers is how they do that. But then that's that all that process sort of started before the Kickstarter went live. And then when the Kickstarter went live, um, I would say a huge percentage of those customers that were pre-ordering from the retailers sort of, uh, you know, Switched. withdrew, yeah, withdrew their pre-orders from them and then just went to Kickstarter because it was, it was cheaper on Kickstarter. Right. And so, and so then, yeah, just an explosion of, of anger from these retailers who just saw all their pre-orders evaporate. Um, and yeah, sort of directed at me and, and Aldo, you know, I had impressions. Right. So that was, that was a challenge. And so we're going to – and the only way that this challenge is probably going to be met is with time to watch to see, as you just said, right. every day did the bottom just fall out of the demand for a game that everybody considers to be one of the greatest games that they've seen come along in years. And when you say it that way, you're like, well, okay, well, maybe it's not going to – demand's going to drop out. Because one of the things, that, again, Tom Vassell pointed out is that he could run through his 100 hours of his game and then he can stop and play it again, right, and, sure. very, and very much enjoy <laughs> it, right? And so that was one of the things that was driving it. All right. Yeah, so I think, or yeah, I could talk about it more, but if you want to. <laughs> no, and, and those are the interesting things. We're about out of time. Would you mind stay, okay. sticking around just for a few minutes and having a chat? Of, I, I give a few minutes here to our Patreon backers so that they can just hear a little bit of our conversation. Do you, do you have a few minutes after the show here? Sure. Perfect. Well, I appreciate you being on the show. Um, I'm looking forward. Hopefully, we can have you on the show again in the future to see what's happened. One of the things I want to talk about with you afterwards is what are some of those future plans? And so that'll be interesting. Isaac, thank you very much for being with us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been 
somebody very generous with their time, Isaac Childress with Cephalofair Games. He has uh, been talking to us from Lafayette, Indiana, and his game Gloomhaven is racking up the records, breaking, smashing through uh, the ceilings of whatever was out there with his 25,000-plus backers and $2.3 million at this time. I'd have to go check it. It's might gone up $100,000 just while we've been recording this episode. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Take care.